Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Friday, February 21st edition of Bang the Book Radio. My name is Adam Burke, your host for the next hour. Well, not even. Probably about the next 30 or 35 minutes or so as we go over all kinds of things in the world of sports from a betting focus. Happy to have you with me here as we finish up this week on the program. Listeners of Bang the Book Radio are going to notice that today's show sounds a little bit different here. I actually recorded this segment with Greg Peterson last night. Then today I'm recording on my phone, just checking it out to see, make sure it works, make sure it sounds okay. Uh, just in the event that I ever need to do that. So just wanted to uh, let you know that today's show, the two segments are going to sound very, very different here for you. So I you know, just wanted to uh, let you know that because obviously you're going to notice that very, very quickly uh, when the segment with Greg plays, but I uh, just wanted to throw that out there. So people didn't think it was them or anything like that. Just letting you know that, uh, the intro here, and then also my solo segment uh, done with recording on my phone. The other segment done the normal way that I do it with the headset and the PC there. So just wanted to throw that out there for everybody so that they don't think that they're going crazy here uh, with this Friday edition of the show. We got one guest, but two segments here on today's show. We'll start things off with Greg Peterson talking about the college basketball cards for Friday and Saturday night. And I'll finish up the show here with a few of my favorite spots that I'm looking at for this weekend in college basketball and also in the NHL. Over at bangthebook.com, we are your one-stop shop for sports betting news and information. A big day over at bangthebook.com. My MLB betting guide with all 30 season win totals, division futures, pennant futures, World Series futures, AL, NL Cy Young, AL, NL MVP, and the home run king odds. Everything posted over at bangthebook.com. Working on that PDF, we've got that. We're just making sure that everything is squared away with it. That will go up over at the website here probably this afternoon. So that will have everything all in one place. Now, if you want to look on bangthebook.com, you'll be able to see all the individual team previews on their specific pages. But if you want everything all in one place, you can download that PDF and we'll be sending that PDF over to Amazon to hopefully get that guide posted up early next week over there. So it will work for Kindle. It will work if you download the Amazon Reader app. It'll work in a lot of different ways. So very, very proud of the work that I've done. 250 pages here this year for the Major League Baseball betting guide. Once again, all 30 teams previewed. Tons of things going on over at bangthebook.com. So please make sure you check it all out. Finally, as you know, this and every edition of Bang the Book Radio presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook. BTB and the number 200 is that promo code. 100% deposit match bonus for the sportsbook. 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino at BetDSI. It's only a game until you bet it. With that, we bring on today's first and only guest. That is Greg Peterson from the Hoops with Hoops podcast and also regular to VSIN. Greg, how's it going today, man? I'm doing great. How about you? Doing very well, buddy. Appreciate your time as always. Thank you so much for joining me here, man. And uh, it's late in the season here, and obviously the regular season winding down. A lot of different considerations, a lot of things going on here, including a lot of teams playing out the string, just sort of have bad records. Maybe they won't qualify for their conference tournament. Maybe they're waiting for that one-shot deal. How do you approach those teams that are just having awful conference play seasons? Well, you do have to think that these are still college kids and they still want to be going out with a bang. Whenever you get senior night, which we know is going to be coming up in the next couple of weeks, that is going to be huge. You always want to be taking a look at teams that might have a couple more veterans 
as opposed to teams that might have a couple freshmen, maybe they're looking to transfer and play elsewhere because this year's not going well and they're just going through through the motions trying to get individual sets so that way they can put themselves on the transfer market and be like, oh, hey, look, Power Conference team, I scored 18 points per game last year. So it's a variety of different things. There are some teams that are going to be extra motivated this time and others, well, not so much. Well, and I think it's one of those things, too, where, you know, like you said, you know, you've kind of got some teams that maybe have a little bit more to play for, other teams that don't, especially those senior-laden teams. And senior day is always so interesting to me, or senior night, as the case often is. Some people say it's a detriment. Some people say that, you know, it's a very emotional day. You're worried about something other than basketball. Other people say, well, you know what? That team's going to go out there and play for their seniors. They don't want to lose that you know, big night for those guys that they've kind of followed into battle for the last few years. How do you look at it? What does senior day and, and all the pomp and circumstance and the ceremony, what does that mean to you in handicapping? Honestly, not a lot because we see some teams, they do a tremendous job on senior day. There are other teams. They do a tremendously awful job on senior day. It's one of those things where it really doesn't do a lot for me because you got to think that, while there's one team that it's senior day for them, they're all gassed up. There's another team on the other side. They want nothing more to, than to ruin senior day. It's one of those situations where I do feel like you maybe get a little bit of an edge taking a look at what teams are really continuing to fight, what teams, like I was mentioning a little bit earlier, maybe have guys that are going to be looking to transfer and go elsewhere. But when it comes to senior day, I really don't handicap it differently than I would any other day just because there are two sides of that coin. What about if you get some sort of intel, some sort of information from one of the news sources that you're reading that, you know, maybe you've got a team out there that, you know, maybe they've got four or five seniors and three of those guys don't really play often, or maybe they're not very good, but they're going to be in the starting lineup because the coach wants to give them an opportunity to get that proper send off. Does that change your mindset? If a coach is, you know, actively changing the starting lineup or something like that? If there's an active change in the starting lineup, yes. But keep in mind, typically whenever a senior is going to go out there and get more minutes, that's like for the first media timeout. And typically, if you're trying to gauge a game from the first media timeout, you're doing yourself such an injustice because that's one-tenth of the game. Typically, you'll get your seniors in there. They'll play a couple minutes. Media timeout comes. You get in the regular guys. Or in a lot of senior day cases, you're going to get the guys coming in really late. So, Maybe it makes you a little bit less prone to laying like a 20 points if Belmont were playing like Seth, Southern Illinois, Edwardsville or something like that. But with that said, it's not going to make a massive difference, if that makes sense, because if you get that intel, hey, maybe you shade it by a point or two. But I typically gravitate towards underdogs as it is to begin with. Yeah, and for the most part, I mean, you're playing full game side in total. So, you know, if people are playing maybe first halves, or I know people like to play the first to 15 types of props, something like that. Maybe that's something you want to pay attention to. But over the course of the full game, like you said, you know, maybe there's a chance that it just doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. I'd like to talk about a lot of different games here for Friday night and Saturday while we've got you help you handicap or help us handicap, I should say, some of these matchups here that are coming up on the 21st and the 22nd. We are recording this here on Thursday evening, so we do have some overnight lines for the Friday games that we're going to talk about, don't have any lines for Saturday, so we'll do the best we can with those. But I gotta say, man, a game that really stands out to me here on Friday night 
is VCU and St. Louis because VCU off the blowout loss to Richmond, off the loss to Dayton, where quite frankly, they played pretty well, just didn't play well enough to knock off the Flyers. I've got to wonder how invested the Rams are in this game Friday night. I think they're going to be very invested because they're going to have Marcus Evans back. Keep in mind, he was banged up for that game against Richmond. He's trying to acclimate himself back in the lineup. And this is a VCU team that wound up making the NCAA tournament as a seven seed this year. I think that this is a big-time spot for VCU. They're probably not going to be able to get an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament, but is that going to stop them from trying? I think not. And I think that what really plays into VCU's favor is their style. They rank fourth in the country with regards to steals per game. That means that they're probably going to be putting a lot of ball pressure on, and they might be a little bit prone to foul. You know what St. Louis does a terrible job of? Hitting free throws. Second worst team in the country with regards to free throw shooting percentage. I actually think this is a tremendous bounce back opportunity for VCU as a result. Interesting. And you've got VCU here, about a one point favorite based on the overnight lines. Is, is that pretty much where you would have this game? This is pretty much where I would have it. I pretty much had this game right towards the pick. I had a little bit of a lean to VCU. So this is a pretty fair line. All right, so we take a look here on a Friday night game in the MAC East division between Buffalo and Kent State. These two teams, if you look at Ken Palm or Bart Torvik, rated pretty evenly here as Buffalo's kind of come on a little bit of late. Kent State's kind of been up and down a little bit. They have dropped three of their last four. And in this particular spot, you've got Kent State laying anywhere from four or four and a half on the overnight lines. What do you think about this one? I actually like the way that Buffalo's been playing on the road. They're coming off a nice win against Ball State, and the defense for this team all of a sudden has come alive. I do think that this might be a little bit more of an up-and-down game. Both these teams have been scuffling a little bit with regards to their offense. you got to think that Buffalo, a team that has Javon Graves and Devontae Jordan, two guys as a combined for 30 points per game, they're going to want to get out, and they're going to want to put up some points in a hurry. And then you take a look at the flip side for Kent State. You've got a guy named Antonio Williams that does a good job of filling things up. The big thing is, how is Josh Umbala going to do down low for Buffalo? I think he's going to hold up at the point of attack against the Kent State team that is led by Danny Pippen and company. You do have Philip Whittington, but I do think that Buffalo has a good chance to be able to win this game outright. Seeing this open up at three and a half, tick up to four and a half in some spots, I'm very interested, especially if this thing continues to go up on Buffalo. Now, something I do want to ask you about here before we get to the last game for Friday you know, obviously, these teams may be peeking ahead a little bit to the conference tournaments. Do you think that they worry at all about seeding or, you know, double buys or having to play those extra games? Or you know, are these college kids just kind of focused on what's in front of them? I think these are college kids that are pretty focused on what's in front of them. I do think that maybe there is a little bit of a look ahead, but isn't that everyone in human nature? When you've got something big that's on the rise, and that's almost anyone, and both teams are going through it equally, so... It's not something that is really of main concern to me, unless if that team maybe is ineligible for their conference tournament. But now we're seeing pretty much every team, aside from like the Ivy League teams that are in transition for the from D2 to D1, things like that, pretty much everyone now makes their conference tournament. One other game I want to ask you about for Friday night here, Ryder and Iona. And I believe I stopped on your show, the Hooping with Hoops podcast, and we talked about Iona maybe, you know, two, three weeks ago, something like that. And we were talking about how, just how awful this team is. All of a sudden, the Gales have really turned it around here. They're a one-and-a-half-point favorite on Friday night when they host Ryder. 
Yeah, I do agree with you. It's a little bit stunning to see what we have seen so far. This is a bunch that was dead in the water. It sounds like Tim Kluse may or may not be back towards the end of the year. That's something that I am very closely monitoring. But with Iona, this is a bunch that you figured eventually they'd be able to figure it out. They played very few games at the beginning of the year. That put them behind the eight ball because that meant that they couldn't get their chemistry with having a interim coach in the fold. So I do think that Iona is starting to come on strong and Ryder uh, over the last few years. This has just been a terrible cover team. Let's be honest here. Last year, they were atrocious here. It hasn't been going a whole lot better. This is a spot where I'm probably going to have some interest in Iona, especially if it's not like a completely ridiculous line because with Iona, you still have guys like EJ Crawford, Tawana G and company. And it just feels like every year Iona peaks around this time and makes the NCAA tournament. All right, so let's go over to Saturday. we got a bunch of marquee games, a bunch of interesting stuff to talk about here. And we will go under the radar a little bit, as I like to do here on these segments. But we've got to start with Gonzaga and BYU. I mean, if Gonzaga is going to lose a game here, it's probably going to be this one because the regular season finale is at home against St. Mary's. So they've got this big one with BYU here coming up on Saturday. Obviously, a lot of interesting line movement with their game on Thursday against San Francisco. But... Is Gonzaga going to go on the road and just take care of business as they always do? I think that's going to be the case. Now with BYU, this team has been just absolutely prolific on offense. Yoli Childs, Jake Toulson, Alex Barcelo, all these guys are pouring in there the points. But this is Gonzaga team on another level. Philip Petrovic, what more could be said about this guy? The way that he has given them right around 16 points, 8 rebounds. You've got a very efficient backcourt led by Admon Gilder and Ryan Woolrich, guys that have been at other schools and have certainly thrived. Woolrich shooting over 40% for three. Gilder, we all remember, played in the NCAA tournament a few years ago for Texas A&M with BYU. You love the offense. You don't love the defense. This is a total. It's probably going to be north of 160. And I wouldn't be surprised if both teams get to 80, but I think that in the end, Gonzaga gets the job done. I wouldn't be surprised if they get it done by double digits. They have just been on a tour to try to get that one seed in the WCC by blowing out everyone in their path. Well, we'll see what happens with that Thursday night game. Like I said, recording this segment on Thursday night, a lot of overs in a row here for Gonzaga going to that game against San Francisco. But in the first meeting at home, they were a 13-point favorite against BYU, wind up winning by 23. Now that they're on the road, what do you expect this line to look like when it opens? I think it's probably going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of Maybe five and a half, six-ish, Gonzaga laying it in. If it'd be in that realm, I certainly would be looking at the Bulldogs. I think they should be able to win this game by 10. All right, so let's take a look at Kansas and Baylor here. And a little bit of a bummer, I think, that this game starts at 11 a.m. Central Time. Not a bad way for all of us to start our Saturday, of course, but could take away from a little bit of the atmosphere there in Waco. But it probably shouldn't take long for this one to get going. Marquee game. You got Baylor undefeated in conference play. You've got Kansas trying to avenge that one loss in conference play, which was to Baylor at home. What do you think about this one? I think that Baylor is going to be able to get the job done once again. How many times haven't we questioned Baylor and how many times haven't they proven us wrong time and time again? That is all that they've done. We thought that it was going to be and I quote a trap against Oklahoma. It wasn't. We all thought that they were going to get pounded when they went to the fog. They win the game outright. We thought that Florida would perhaps be able to provide some resistance. They didn't. 
This is a Baylor team that's covering over two-thirds of their games. Now, I do recognize that Kansas has been terrific on offense recently. Take a look at what they were able to do against Iowa State. It was terrific. But with that said, I just don't think that Marcus Garrett is going to be able to get those open threes that he's had the past couple of games. Iowa State was without Therese Halliburton, the heart and soul of that team. I think that this is a very good spot in which we are going to see Baylor once again show why they are the best team in this conference. And I think they get the job done again. Well, in the first meeting here, Baylor won that game 67-55 at Fog Allen. Obviously a very motivated Kansas team here, but certainly a very motivated Baylor team as well to keep that perfect record here in Big 12 conference play. We move on from that game to uh, this is more of an interesting spot, I think, because I don't think anybody really saw the North Carolina State performance coming on Wednesday night against Duke. They beat the Blue Devils by 22 points at home. Now they host Florida State in another spot they really need to get up for. I do agree with you. NC State playing their way back onto the NCAA tournament picture. Florida State, they've got some of the most depth in all of college basketball. That is a Leonard Hamilton way. We all remember Devin Vassell not playing in that game against Syracuse. That allowed Syracuse to hold in there. But I do think that this is a game that NC State is going to be up for. I don't know if they're going to be able to pull this game off outright, but you can tell how different this team is with a healthy C.J. Bryce. Now, he didn't necessarily score a bunch of points in that game against NC State, but did a good job of being able to help facilitate, just do the little things for this bunch. I think that he is a little bit of a difference maker because you can tell that without him, and even when he was back in the full but not 100%, this is a bunch that was really struggling. Just imagine what this team is going to look like if they do wind up getting Pat Andrew back, who's been injured graduate transfer from Lehigh if they're able to get him back and him shooting some threes makes this team all the more dangerous but with that said I'm certainly going to be taking a look at NC State if they're catching some serious points because this is an ultimate spot for them to be able to make a statement and parlay that win against Duke into another big time opportunity to be able to get back into the NCAA tournament picture only three losses here in conference play for Florida State all three of them on the road they lost that strange opener game the regular season opener even against Pitt that was also the ACC opener obviously lost at Virginia lost at Duke I also know you're not a big Leonard Hamilton guy either you've kind of no. mentioned that before in a few different places where, where does this line come out you think how much of a favorite is Florida State on the road I would have to go with about four four and a half ish would be my guess okay all right, and, and at that point, you think you're kind of looking at the NC State side then? Yeah, certainly, especially if you're getting north of five. North of five, it is an NC State play all the way. If you're seeing more like one or two, then maybe you take Florida State to win by a possession. I don't know what it is about Leonard Hamilton. He does a great job of recruiting. I mean, he is a heck of a pregame tactician. He gets his team up for the game. In game, I just don't trust this guy. I mean, we saw it in that game against Pittsburgh. We saw it when they went on the road against Indiana. Just bad in-game coaching from him. That's my problem with Leonard Hamilton. And I do have a lot of people say, why do you hate Leonard Hamilton so much? It's just purely in-game. I have a lot of respect for what he's done with regards to recruiting. And he does graduate a lot of his players as well. Always a nice thing. All right, so let's talk about Florida and Kentucky here. Because I think this is an interesting game on Saturday. And, and in most years, I mean, this would be a spotlight type of game. But... Florida's a pretty big underachiever here this season. And even Kentucky, with that 21-5 and record, with their 11-2 and conference mark, 
a lot of people would say that they're an underachiever here so far this season as well. So what do you think about the Gators and Wildcats on Saturday? I think that this is a spot in which Kentucky is just going to keep rolling. We all thought that it was going to be a little bit of a tough spot for them a few days ago when they went on the road and faced off against LSU. They were able to get the job done in that game. It just feels like the turning point for this team was when, ironically enough, they had Coach Calipari get kicked out of that game against Arkansas. From there, they were able to put it on the second half. They were able to take down the Razorbacks. Ever since then, this is a team that has been playing some very good basketball. And what is really big for the team is the fact that you now all of a sudden have a little bit of three-point shooting. Emmanuel quickly, along with Johnny Juzang, have been able to step up, give the team a little bit of something from the outside. That was really Kentucky's doldrum at the beginning of the year in Kentucky. In the second half of that game against LSU, started 7 of 7 from 3 in the beginning of that second half. That really speaks to me that this is a team that's turning a little bit of a corner, and I think that they're going to be able to get the job done in the spot once again. Three wins in a row for Florida, five of their last six, although they really haven't been playing the class of the SEC here. I mean, I don't know if this team makes the tournament or not. It certainly looks like they're probably going to, but what, what is the issue with this team? What, what has just gone wrong for them? It's just one of these situations where we overrated them. After they got Kerry Blackshear, everyone annoyed them a Final Four team. I had no idea why, because this is a team that has always scuffled with their offense. I give them credit. They're doing a little bit better this year, but what are you going to get night to night? I know a lot. Nobody really knows. I mean, it's just one of these spots in which, yeah, you've got a couple of nice pieces, but other than Kerry Blackshear, you don't have a ton down low. You don't have that one guy that's able to light it up from three-point range. I just had no idea why they were so highly rated. I didn't think they would be quite this, but I mean, I'm not necessarily really surprised that we're seeing Florida in this spot. All right, let's go under the radar here. Let's go to the Big Sky Conference where we've got a rivalry game between Montana and Montana State. Montana seems to really be rounding into form. A couple good performances in a row here for Montana State as well. I always like these small conference rivalry games. And look, I know Montana's chief rivals, probably Weber State, just given the history between them at the top of this conference. But they're going to get Montana State's best shot here on the road. You think they'll be able to hold up? I do think so. What is big for Montana is the fact that now you're getting a couple pieces around Sade Pridgett to be able to step up because Sade Pridgett was a man that was essentially a lone man walking at the beginning of the year. He was having to do a little bit of everything for this. And he still leads the team in points, rebounds, and assists. But with that said, you're finally getting a little bit more out of some of these other guys like a Timmy Falls. You're able to get Kendall Manuel. He wound up transferring over from Oregon State a few years ago. Getting these guys in the fold and getting them to be able to lift a little bit of the burden off of Manuel is big. And with Montana State, this is a team that's under a first-year coach in Sprinkle. And they're doing a solid job, but you can tell that they're in transition. This used to be an up-and-down team. Now they've been going a little bit more low and slow. They have a guy in Harold Frey that does a little bit of everything, much like Said Pridgett leads Montana a little bit of everything. He does so for Montana State. And with Montana State, I just don't have a lot of faith in this team and down low because you've got Jabri Bello along with Devin Kirby. They get both give you six rebounds per game. But past that, it's really not a lot. One more game I want to touch on with you here for Saturday, Greg. I find Conference USA fascinating. I mean, their conference tournament is a mess because they've got two games going on at the same time. And they recently did this thing with their conference scheduling where – 
They schedule the first part of conference play. Then once they see how the teams are kind of stack ranked, they add a few more games at the back end of the conference play schedule to sort of try and strengthen their best teams, kind of put their best foot forward when it comes to the conference tournament and then subsequently the NCAA tournament. So here you've got Louisiana Tech taking on North Texas, probably the two best teams here in Conference USA with a meeting down in Denton where Grant McCaslin's team has been very, very good. Do they just keep playing well here at home in this one? I do think so. And the biggest thing with North Texas is we've seen a tempo change with them. At the beginning of the year, this is a team that was playing at one of the slowest paces in all of college basketball. Past few weeks, they've been able to really crank things up, notwithstanding that Old Dominion game. But they now have a pair of guys, Udomaja Gibson and JV on Hamlet, that are really able to fill it up for this team. I love the way that they're playing. And for Louisiana Tech, it's always hard to get behind a team that doesn't shoot it well at the free throw line. Daquan Bracey, he shoots 40-plus percent from three-point range. He does a very solid job there at the free throw line. This is a guy that's shooting right around 52%. That is something that is a little bit of an issue. You've got Mubarak down low for Louisiana Tech. He's able to give you right around nine rebounds per game. But with North Texas, you just have a bunch of guys like a Zachary Simmons and guys like that that are doing a solid job. And we all remember Roosevelt Smart a few years ago. He was a game-breaker for this team. He has really fallen into a little bit of a lesser role, but he's bought into it, and he's been very solid for this team. So I really do like the way that this bunch has been able to come together. I'm going to be probably taking a look at North Texas as long as the line is pretty tight and they're not laying like a whole bunch of points. Greg Peterson, who's working to find on the Hoopin' with Hoops podcast and also hear him on VEASAN. Greg, how can people check out your work? You can find me on Twitter at GUnitRSquarty1. That is the hub for a little bit of everything. And then you mentioned the Hooping with Hoops podcast. You can find that wherever you get your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Hooping is spelled H-O-O-P-I-N. And I break down every single college basketball game every single day. That includes for Saturday when you've got 140 games. I give you a side total and breakdown on every last one of them. And if you have a tough time finding it on your podcast platform, I post a link up on my Twitter feed at Forty One every single day. Greg Peterson, once again, of that Hooping with Hoops podcast, VSIN, and at GUnit underscore 81 on Twitter. Greg, always a pleasure, man. Thanks for helping me out with the Saturday card, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Awesome. Thank you so much. Always great to chat there with Greg Peterson. Once again, that's at GUnit underscore 81 on Twitter, that Hooping with Hoops podcast, as well as his appearances on VSIN. All right, so to finish up this week here on Bang the Book Radio, going to go ahead and talk about some of the situational spots that I'm taking a look at here for this weekend for college basketball, and then also take a look here at the NHL card. And you know, a lot of good situational angles present in all of these sports here at this time of the year, but we do try to focus as much as we possibly can here to you know look at some things that can help you out for the weekend and. Again, these aren't be-all, end-all types of plays. I'm not saying you absolutely have to go out there and play some of this stuff, but what I am saying is that these are good starting points for you. And in particular, when we look at a Saturday college basketball card with you know, 140, 150 games, you get a lot of stuff to try and factor into the equation here. So anything that can help you out, anything that can make your job a little bit easier, we try to do that here with the content over at bangthebook.com as well as the content uh, on Bang the Book Radio. We talked about that Kansas and Baylor game in the previous segment with Greg, and 
like I said, you know, I think that 11 a.m. start time could lead to a little bit of a slow start here in this game. Not a lot of offense in the first game with 122 points between the two teams. I mean, maybe a first half under could be something of a decent look there in that Kansas and Baylor matchup. How about Cal Baptist and Chicago State? Obviously, this is not a game on a lot of people's radars here for Saturday, in particular with such a big college basketball card. But if you think back to a few weeks ago, Cal State Bakersfield was playing that quick turnaround game. They were playing UM Kansas City. Then they were playing Chicago State. The Chicago State game actually got postponed by a day because of a snowstorm that was in the area, kind of wiped out a lot of things. They pushed the game back a day. Chicago State should have covered that game, but they went scoreless, I think, in the last six and a half minutes of that basketball game, something like that, and just barely failed to cover. Now you've got Cal Baptist playing at UMKC on Wednesday night. Then they play the early game here, 12 o'clock Central Time on Saturday against Chicago State. Now I do wish that this was one of those Thursday-Saturday turnarounds. Wednesday to Saturday makes it a little bit easier for Cal Baptist. But at the same time, this is a very difficult spot here. You're going a long way from home. Cal Baptist, a relative newcomer to this conference. They haven't really taken this trip a whole lot. I know Chicago State is terrible, but because they're terrible, they're going to be getting a lot of points there in that Saturday game against Cal Baptist. So that one is on my radar here for Saturday. Chicago State getting a lot of points at home in that whack matchup. Tough week for Villanova here. They're playing a third straight game in a hostile environment. Now, of course, they didn't really have to travel for that Temple game in Philadelphia as part of the Big Five series last Sunday, but they were at DePaul on Wednesday. Now they're in Cincinnati to take on Xavier on Saturday afternoon. Xavier, well-rested. Villanova's been traveling all over the place here. We did talk a little bit about this game on Tuesday's show with John Ryan, who covers the Big East for us over at bangthebook.com. But I do like Xavier a little bit here because of the spot, because this is a third straight road opportunity for Villanova. A little bit of fatigue could set in here. I do think Xavier is a home underdog in this spot, and you obviously want to take a look at home underdogs here at this time of the year, in particular if they are pretty good teams. It's a bad team getting points at home. It's a little bit different unless there's a spot consideration like Chicago State here on Saturday. But Xavier, in this particular situation here, this would be a big feather in their caps as far as trying to get into the NCAA tournament, trying to get improved seating in the NCAA tournament. I think they may show up a little bit more here than Villanova. So I do like Xavier in that spot on Saturday afternoon. How about East Tennessee State and Samford? Now, I don't think Samford is going to pull the outright upset here. But what I can tell you is that with East Tennessee State off of that game against Furman, getting revenge for that loss to Furman earlier on in the season, I think Samford is a pretty interesting bet here at home. Two o'clock central time start for this one. Maybe Samford in the first half makes some sense before ETSU gets it going. East Tennessee State is a team with some at-large consideration, and that was a game they absolutely had to have the other night against Furman, and they got it. Now I wonder what they do here in this particular spot against Samford. Samford will be getting points at home. Like I said, maybe the first half for them is a decent look or maybe the full game play here, depending on how many points you're getting in that one. UCLA and Colorado. This is an 
awful spot for UCLA. Now, this is one of those spots that's so bad, it's actually going to be factored into the price, probably by a, a pretty good margin. But this is the end of the altitude double for UCLA. They played an 8.30 mountain time start against Salt Lake City on Thursday. This is a 2 p.m. mountain time start in Boulder. So about a 40-hour turnaround to play back-to-back -back games in the altitude. I will lay a large number with Colorado here in this game. It's one of my favorite situational spots of the week. And I most definitely like the Buffaloes in this one here against the Bruins. Troy and Appalachian State, kind of a fun game here in the Sun Belt. Troy's playing that Coastal Carolina-Appalachian State stretch. As we've talked about before here on the show, and most people don't really realize this, Appalachian State is at altitude there in the Appalachian Mountains in Boone, North Carolina. This is a very difficult turnaround. And we saw that you know Appalachian State used this spot to their advantage a few weeks ago against Texas State. Texas State had a big lead, wound up squandering it. App State covered the number there in that one. Troy's not on the level of Texas State. But I think App State's going to be in a good spot here in this one. Maybe a slight home favorite in this game. Neither one of these teams particularly good. Uh, actually, App State maybe a little bit more than a slight favorite here. But I still think that this Coastal Carolina App State stretch is very difficult in Sunbelt play. Give me the Mountaineers here in this one. Laying what should be a pretty modest number at home. Stetson and Liberty. Liberty, a very interesting team here for this week because they've lost two games in Atlantic Sun play. One was to North Florida. One was to Stetson. They played North Florida earlier on in the week here, and that was a situation where you lead this Liberty team, and look, they are clearly, far and away, the best team here in the A-Sun Conference. So they've got a couple of those losses. They're out for revenge. They're out for the opportunity to try and make up for what happened in those games. Now, they didn't play particularly well against North Florida. They gave up 1.227 points per possession, but they did get revenge. They did win that game over the Ospreys, 82-77. to Now they get a Stetson team where, against Stetson, they had their worst offensive performance of the season. It was a hangover game coming off of that North Florida matchup. They had .80 points per possession in that game. That game was played to just 54 possessions. Liberty never got going. They will be going from the jump here in this one. They got that North Florida win, and because they've got this revenge factor here, I don't think there's a letdown situation at all whatsoever for Liberty in this spot. I think it named the score. This will be another game played to a pretty low number of possessions, but I think Liberty really buckles down defensively. I think they have a lot more success on the offensive end. So Liberty minus the points here, looking for revenge against Stetson. Another spot that I do like on Saturday. Finally, for Saturday here, Gonzaga and BYU. We talked about this game in the previous segment with Greg. You got to wonder if Gonzaga gets tested here. They won the first game by 23 points. They were a 13-point favorite in that one. You know, St. Mary's didn't give Gonzaga a test when the Zags visited them. Will BYU do so at home? I don't know. It'll be very interesting to see how this game plays out. A lot of people did like San Francisco a little bit in that game on Thursday night with one of the worst beats we've ever seen in that one. But Gonzaga, you know, they had a little bit of a look-ahead factor in that game, I think. Kind of struggled throughout most of it. Let's see what they do here against the sharpshooting BYU team. I do like Gonzaga a little bit, but obviously not a spot where I'd be super confident laying a whole lot of points in that one. 
We look ahead to Sunday for a couple of games here. Southern Illinois and Northern Iowa won on my radar. The Missouri Valley Conference is known for having those big home road splits. And Northern Iowa found that out the hard way. They actually lost at Southern Illinois earlier on in the season. Now they get that crack at home revenge. Northern Iowa's got Evansville on deck, so no look ahead whatsoever. They'll be laying a pretty decent number here, but they've got the revenge angle. And the Southern Illinois Salukis have just been a much better team at home than on the road. So I think this is a spot where Northern Iowa really gets some revenge, really plays well. I do like them laying the number here on Sunday. Finally, South Dakota and South Dakota State as we head on up to the Summit League here. South Dakota State has kind of figured things out a little bit in the back part of conference play. We figured without Mike Dom, they would kind of struggle at the outset of the season. And they did. And in fact, they lost to South Dakota earlier on in the year. That was the first time in five tries that South Dakota beat South Dakota State. South Dakota State is not lost at home, and they just lost to South Dakota earlier on this season. I think the Jackrabbits will look to get revenge here. The Coyotes from South Dakota, they've shot the lights out from three this year. I think some regression is coming for them. I think it's a really good opportunity for South Dakota State. So looking at a lot of home teams here this weekend, looking for spots to back them. You've got some revenge spots. You've got some bad travel scenarios for teams. But I do like several home games here for this weekend, uh, including teams like Chicago State, Xavier, Samford, Colorado, Appalachian State, Liberty, Northern Iowa, and finally, South Dakota State. A couple spots in the NHL to keep an eye on here for this weekend. A pretty interesting one here between Washington and the New Jersey Devils early on Saturday. The Capitals are going to play the Penguins on Sunday in one of those big games, the Sunday NBC game of the week. They're still waiting on Alex Ovechkin to get that 700th goal. The Capitals could be in a little bit of a sleepy spot here against the Devils. As we talked about on Tuesday with Brian Blessing, Washington just keeps trying to set up Ovechkin. They're not playing the same game that they're generally accustomed to. I do wonder if maybe that is a little bit of a hindrance for them as they lay a big price here on Saturday. Not saying I would take the Devils on the money line for anything big. May take a little bit of a piece of that, but Devils plus one and a half at home in a game where I think Washington will very clearly be looking ahead to that situation on Saturday or on Sunday, excuse me, against the Pittsburgh Penguins. How about the Florida Panthers and the Vegas Golden Knights? Panthers here playing a four and six road stretch against Vegas and Vegas has turned this thing around. They're playing very, very well right now. They look like a well-rounded team. They look like a team that wants to be a buyer at the trade deadline. So I think Vegas is in a very good spot here against Florida, a tired, ragged Florida bunch with this long road trip here. I think Vegas on the puck line is a good look. If you want to play the minus one, I think that's a decent look as well. I think Vegas could be dominant here in this game. I know Florida is taking on a familiar face in Peter DeBoer, but Vegas is playing very, very well. They're in a good situational spot here. And you've got to take a look at the Golden Knights with either the puck line or maybe some alternate lines here in this game against Florida on Saturday. I'm not sure how high this price will be, but Colorado is on the road at Los Angeles on Saturday. Now the avalanche have a lot of injury considerations, a lot of guys that they're worried about right now, but they're also going for revenge here from the stadium series game last Saturday. They lost that game three to one. It wasn't a great look overall for the organization. A lot of travel problems. People couldn't get into the game. 
Then, of course, Colorado kind of lays an egg after that. They have to have this game circled. They absolutely have to be looking forward to this one to get some revenge here. Now, the Kings have played better at home than they have on the road, but still, I think they're going to get a pissed-off, motivated Colorado bunch here. I do like the Avalanche. They will be laying a little bit of a number, maybe a money line parlay with Vegas and Colorado, something like that. But I do think you need to find a creative way to play the Avalanche on Saturday. That Pittsburgh and Washington game on Sunday will be a good one. I look for fade spots coming out of that game. I think maybe we've got one here on Tuesday with Washington taking on Winnipeg. So that's kind of what I'm looking at out of this game. But it's just a four and six for Pittsburgh, a four and seven for Washington. Pittsburgh doesn't play until Wednesday. So maybe not as much of a fade spot coming up after this game for them. But it always means more when these two teams get together. Crosby, Novechkin, game of the week. Uh, you know, obviously there's going to be a playoff type feel to this one. I don't know who that favors necessarily, but both of these teams are in back-to-back situations, should have their better goaltenders going on Sunday. Maybe kind of go against the grain of the NHL this season and play an under for this game. I don't know, but should be a very good one here on Sunday. Finally, the Sharks and the Islanders here on Sunday. Now, the Sharks don't have to travel because they play the New York Rangers on Saturday night. Then they play the Islanders here on Sunday with a 5 o'clock Eastern puck drop. So, They've got a pretty quick turnaround here. Uh, they got about a 17-hour turnaround between games. So that's a pretty difficult spot for them, even without the travel. The Islanders don't play on Saturday. And the Islanders have struggled here of late. So no spots are particularly great for them. But at the same time, I think they're in a much better situational spot here. Maybe a little bit of a get-right game for the Islanders on Sunday with that 5 o'clock puck drop against the San Jose Sharks. Coming up on our Monday edition of Bangable Book Radio, we'll chat with professional handicapper Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com and also bettersportspicks.com. We'll fill you in on some of the conference tournament formats because I think that's very important here with the last couple weeks of the regular season, seeing the teams that won't be able to be in these different types of things, seeing the teams that are maybe playing for seeding or playing for buys, something like that. Those contribute to a lot of motivating factors over the last couple of weeks of the college basketball regular season. We'll also talk with him about senior day and a handful of games for next week's card. And also I'll be back with the betters box, my MLB betting podcast, my five and fly segment, looking at all five central division teams. Also taking a look at some of the updated injury situations across major league baseball with spring training. And in the meantime, make sure you download that MLB betting guide over at bangthebook.com in PDF form or you can go through and look at the individual articles at the website. Put a lot of hard work into that. I think there's a lot of good information. I'm very proud of the product here. 250-page PDF for you to look over here this weekend and in the lead-up to the season. I've got seven plays that I've already made from a season win total standpoint in that guide over at bangthebook.com, and there are a few others that I'm still considering. So a lot of good information there. Please make sure you check it all out. I'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Have a happy, healthy, smart, safe weekend. And I will talk to you again on Monday.